Chicago hard, Chicago hard, Chicago hard. Up and into them, right from the start of the game. state of mind we are a chicago sports podcast from the perspectives of south side guys with an unapologetic chicago bias if this city could talk it would say chicago versus everybody hey dub what's a good word fam man everything good over here friends what's up with you man just stay warm, man. That's the name of the game. Stay warm, baby. <laughs> hell yeah, man. Chicago, man. You know how to go. That weather changed big time now. Hey, that hawk is here. He is here. This that type of weather, A-Dub, where, man, I try to, you know how you going into the house? Boy, that'd be the quickest walk to, and, or shit. Sometimes it'd be a fucking fast trot <laughs> trying to get inside <laughs> that house. Hell yeah. Remember you were not coming from the game, man. I was like, hey, friends, I'll let you later, man. I jumped in my car so quickly on you, bro. It was well, so hey, cold. Listen, I was walking ahead of you. I was like, uh, I don't know what they doing, but uh, <laughs> it's cold. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. I said, shit. So when I stepped out that arena, I said, oh, man, it's time to get out of here, bro. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, audience, before we get into this episode, we wanted to give a tribute to uh, the Grobber. We lost another Chicago media legend here on Sunday. Les Grobstein passed away at the age of 69. I just wanted to say... For me, being a budding podcaster and a guy that's trying to break into the media, the Grobber was someone that I always respected because, dude, he was authentic. Just an old-school type of guy. They said that he covered the beat using an old tape recorder and an old microphone, bro. Like, that's just how old-school he is. You look at all that fancy equipment that you and I use, A-Dub, when we go, my man had that old-school recorder and the mic, Mm -hmm. and that's all he needed. Man, I couldn't imagine doing that work like that, though. But salute to him, man. Salute. Just old school, man. Just old school. But I remember times, man, when I would be out late, driving home, like, 1, 2 o'clock in the morning. I turned on the score and listened to Les. And it was it was just good, old-fashioned radio. I mean, the guy was like an encyclopedia when it came to Chicago sports. He knew everything, bro. People would call in with, like, random things. And he'll just he'll rattle off the date that the thing happened. Well, you know, it was just crazy. Like the guy's memory in his mind was just like something. It was something else. But anyway, rest in peace, Grobber. And you know, A-Dub, how we have the Lee Ilias rant in our open. Right. Les Grobstein was the guy that was covering the Cubs at that moment. It was the one that got the audio for that. So that just goes to show you, man, that guy's legacy there. And just the fact that he was always at the right place at the right time. Yeah, man. Always the right place. And in our eyes, a legend, man. Rest in peace to you, Grobber. As always, this show is brought to you by Crave It. Join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. The Crave It app is available on Apple and Android applications. So, A-Dub, I thought we kicked the show off today by talking about the White Sox. So, audience, mm. you guys remember, on the last episode, we talked about Colas potentially coming to Chicago. Well, it's official. It is official. He agreed to a deal with the White Sox. 
a deal that's worth around $2.7 million. So they said that the paperwork and everything like that will be wrapped up here later in the week. So very exciting. Audience, if you guys remember what I said last week, I called him the Cuban Otane. This is <laughs> just yet another, another Cuban guy that's coming through our pipeline, and I'm really excited about it. Yeah, you guys got a right to be excited, Perez. He's young, 23 years old. Now he's about to become a millionaire, man. I think he's going to do some phenomenal things for you guys. So, yeah, you all got a good one. And he was the number five prospect on the market, uh, according to a lot of the different sites that are out there. So not a bad get, not a bad get. And so when we look at potential fit for him, audience, he's probably going to be a corner outfielder. I mentioned in the last episode that he was pitching at one point in his career, but he's solely now just regular position player. So he will be probably a corner outfielder. And when you think about you know what he'll be able to bring, as A-Dub mentioned, 23-year-old player, but he's got power, speed, the whole nine. Just another great athlete that's getting ready to come in here. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah, you guys got you one to make it, Perez. So I don't expect a lot of great things from right away. But, of course, in due time, Perez, you guys going to be lucky. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see. The next piece of business when it comes to the White Sox that I want to talk about is the fact that our buddy, or my boy, Dylan Cease, former mm. Chicago Cub, has signed with Scott Boris. You know what that's about right there, Perez. He signed with Scott Boris. He oh, he won the season. Money. He yeah, wants that the money. Bread. There you go. <laughs> it's about that money, man. That's what it's all about right there, Perez. So we already know what's going on. But for the White Sox, the good thing is that it's still arbitration for the guy. I, know, I guess he want to get the most out of arbitration, you know? Yeah, I mean, it, it, listen, it's not a bad thing to do. Carlos Rodon, who's probably on his way out, he had also signed with Scott Boris. And the one thing that we know about Scott Boris, he's going to squeeze that market until he gets everything <laughs> he can for his client. And so you got to respect that. You know what I mean? Exactly. I got no problem with that. Boris has been one of those guys who get the job done. And as A-Dub mentioned, with arbitration coming up, it's just another opportunity to just make sure that Dylan Cease is able to capitalize off of his um, earning power. For me, Dylan Cease is going to be very important to this ball club this season, especially with Carlos Rodon potentially leaving the team and also with the continued struggles of Dallas Keuchel. So Dylan Cease is a guy that I'm hoping continues to uh, evolve and take that next step in his game. And you know what, Perez? He's seeing what's going on internally with some of the um, pitches right there. So he's in the driver's seat right now. Yeah, yeah. No, he's in a good spot, man. If he could put together another season, hey. Right. <laughs> Scott Boris is going to be like, hey, what's up? <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. What's up, Han? What's up, Kenny? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, <laughs> But, hey, it's a good problem to have. So I'm, I'm looking forward to what this kid does. And like I said, he's going to be very vital to things. And if he pitches and balls out, then you got to pay the guy. So it is what it is. But I'm glad that he's here. I love that we made that trade, bringing him and Eloy over here. So, hey, we're going to continue to to reap the benefits from that trade. There you go. Reap it, brother. All right, A-Dub. Our line content. We got a lot to unpack on this one, audience, because we had some really good action in the last week. The Illini faced the Michigan Wolverines. Now, in that matchup, minutes before the game, we find out the Hunter Dickinson was going to miss the game. And according to Coach Howard, he said it was because the guy hadn't really practiced. His conditioning wasn't where it needed to be. You guys already heard what me and A-Dub had to say about this matchup. We thought this was going to be an opportunity for Kofi and Hunter to go head up. These guys love competing against each other, or at least I thought Hunter liked to compete against them. He kind of ducked Kofi in that matchup, whatever. However, however, in this matchup, A-Dub, what did you think about that game? Because I would say I was very impressed by Michigan because with them having two top guys out, they competed very hard against Illinois. 
Man, Perez, you was—I was impressed, man. They played very scrappy. I mean, they were hustling hard, Perez. They were trying to beat us in transition. They were double teaming Kofi. They were getting back on shooters, trying to close them out. So I give Michigan a lot of credit. But I got to say it loud now. They pulled it through, man, that second half, bro. And that's what this team has become. They, they, this team has become closers. They know what to do to grind out a victory. Now, I would say, Kofi in this ball game, another double-double, 21-10. But he had to earn those. He really earned <laughs> those points. And Yes, he did. Michigan was undersized in this matchup because when they didn't have Dickinson, they had to go to Musa Diabate. And now Musa Diabate and the presser, and Diabate is going to be a hell of a player. But he was giving up not only height to Kofi, but size. And he talked about the fact, A-Dub, of Kofi's big. <laughs> he said it <laughs> a couple times. And even though Kofi still got that double-double, Michigan played him tough. Michigan was making Kofi defend that pick and roll. They were running him on that pick and roll. And they were trying to wear him out a little bit. Yeah, they right. you're right about that, Prince. They were trying to work really hard when they got the offense, when they were on offense. And then when we got the ball, bro, they were still double-team and triple-team him, right, to make him work even harder there at the first point. So they really tried to wear my man down, man. And to the point that you made about the second half, you talked about Illinois picking up the pace and doing what they had to do. But I want to go back to the first half because it was a foul-plagued first half for both teams. But also, shooting-wise, we did not shoot the ball well, especially from three-point range. No, we did not, man. I, I credit, you know, what you talked about, you and I talked about Michigan, how they were closing out, right? They were getting it back out on shooters, man, contesting shots, getting out there. And then in addition to that, Perez, where we weren't shooting well, we were also turning the ball over, too. Yeah, it was it was tough to see. But, however, games like the game against Michigan really showed you how important Trent Frazier is to this ball club. Because whenever Trent Frazier was on the bench, we struggled to bring that ball up the court. Michigan was pressing. DeMonte Williams, and you guys know how I feel about DeMonte. Hell of a player, tough, the whole nine. But Devon, DeMonte Williams is not the guy that I want bringing the ball up, trying to break a press. So Trent right. Frazier had to be out there in that ball game. And Trent Frazier played damn near 38 minutes, if I'm recalling it correctly. He couldn't take any breaks in that game. They needed him out there every minute that was available for them to have him out there. Yeah, man, Trent Frazier was huge, Perez. He played about 35 minutes there, man. He was huge out there, Perez, because he made some big buckets. He made the shots that we needed when, we, when they counted the most and we needed the most. So you got to give it credit to Trent Frazier. You had a good point about his ball handling, Perez. I think that was a difference maker for Illini, man, for sure, because you're right. When Wim was out there, it was a struggle. When Frazier's out there, hey, let's get to the basket. Let's make something happen. Yeah, but that's not Williams' game. Now, I know Williams can get away with handling the ball here and there, but we need Trent Frazier out there. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And <laughs> the thing, too, with Trent Frazier, he continues to be one of the most unappreciated players that I think I've seen in an Illini uniform. All he does is go out there, give it his all, plays hard on both ends of the court, but he doesn't get all the props. He doesn't get all the credit and the glory, right? You, we know right. everybody, when they think of this team, they'll talk about your boy Kofi. They'll talk about Cabello. But I look, I think that Trent Frazier is probably the most valuable player on this team outside of a Kofi Colbert. Hard to disagree with that because one thing about Trent Frazier is that he's very smart, Perez. He knows when the team is struggling and he knows when it turned up offensively. You know, you already talked about his defense is very solid for his size. But when it comes down to offense, when you see the team struggling, Perez, he can put the ball in the bucket, man. He can go on a 10-0 run by himself. Well, yeah, and that's something that he talks about a lot in the pressers. He talks about, look, in my career, I have these heaters that I go on. He's right. And that's a good point, A-Dub, because he could do that shit on his own. He can go on a 10-0 run when he gets hot. And when he gets hot, there's no player in the country that I think can fuck with him. And so that's why I really think he's important to this ball club. And I say it often. 
he took a backseat to Io when Io was in Illinois. And we're seeing the type of ball player that Trent Frazier is. And I really love the fact that he's on this team. He brings experience. You need a guy like him that's been through everything possible. He's been through all those Big Ten wars. He's a warrior, bro. Frazier, hell of a ball player. The last point that I have here on this Michigan game is the fact that Underwood and the presser mentioned they played harder than we did in that ball game. And I thought that was a very true statement because Michigan was undermanned in this ballgame. I talked about that earlier. That's an important fact for us to consider because Michigan was not going to roll over. And I think that Kofi kind of took his foot off the gas a little bit in that game because he thought, okay, I don't have Hunter Dickinson to worry about. I'm going to be able to just get my shot and, and do what I need to do. But it wasn't that way. It was no cakewalk. Coach Howard had those guys ready to play. And even Coach Howard in the press talked about the fact of, hey, Kofi, He's gotten better every year. And he said, he's someone that's going to be a force for many years to come. And that was a great, great compliment. Because I even asked Kofi about it in the press. I said, how does that feel for you to get that type of compliment from Jawan Howard, who's not only a a great coach, but he's a legend in the NBA. And Kofi's like, shit, that feels good anytime you have a guy like that giving you that type of compliment. But Kofi also said, he's the type of guy that's always going to continue to put the work in to get better and better. So even though he got that compliment, he still let it be known that, Hey, he realizes there's things that he could do to get better and improve. And I love that. Yeah. Press, that's big ups, you know, from how we're even giving him that praise and how Kofi took that, you know what I'm saying? Like, Hey, look, I appreciate it, but Hey, I'm still working hard. Still trying to get better, man. And that's what you need. That's the type of play you need to be, man. Especially when it gets to that NBA level. Yeah. And speaking of which, and we'll discuss that a little bit later in the season, because there's a lot of things that I want to break down when it comes to Kofi's game and how it translates to the NBA. I think that's a great point, A.W., and that's something we'll definitely get into in some future episodes. I do want to turn the table over to that Illinois-Purdue game. So obviously I was at the Illinois-Michigan game, but you and I both were at the Illinois-Purdue game. Give me your thoughts, man, on how you felt about that atmosphere out there, A.W., and just how it was for you covering your first uh, Illinois game. Praise. It was electrifying in that, in that gym, man. You can feel the buildup. You can feel the crowd ready to get into it, man. It was like, hey, there's two good teams about to go at it. And you can just feel that, again, that energy from the fans base, man, that everybody was ready for this particular game here, press to see how they go against each other. So I was excited, man. Fans were excited. You were excited. It was good overall, man. We got to treat that game. Yeah, I mean, double overtime ball game audience, you know how it ended up. We lost in double overtime. Andre Cabello came back. And that also, that part right there, A-Dub, was probably a big part of the reason of why um, that State Farm Center was rocking. Because having a guy like that back, which was a surprise to most of us within the media and also within the Illini fan base. But when he came out there for those warm-ups, I said, oh, shit, it's a chance he may play. <laughs> right. <laughs> And then we got the word, like, no, he's playing today. He's going to be on the minutes restriction. He's going to play. And Coach Underwood talked about that in the presser. He said, look, he said the guy's been struggling. He's been dealing with a lot of pain and dealing with a lot of headaches. But he said he wanted to be out there. And they told him, okay, we're going to have you out there on some restrictions. But he played so fucking well, the Brad was like, he just let him go. <laughs> let him loose, man. Let him loose. And you're right, Press. He played well in that game, man. So I'm just happy for him to see how hard he worked to get back and then to play well in the game against a top-10 team. Now, in this matchup, a lot of people are going to talk about the situation at hand when it came to the referee. Kofi Coburn was in foul trouble throughout the ball game. I thought some of the fouls that they called against him were ticky-tack. But also, when you look at some things with Kofi's game, and I think something that he's going to have to improve upon 
is not having some of those careless fouls that he had. Now, Kofi's not known for being in foul trouble, but I thought there were a couple plays that, you know, he put himself in some situations to get called for those fouls. But overall, and I'm not going to just rail on the officiating, but that officiated crew, they left a lot to be desired in that ball game, eh, Doug? Yeah, they did, man. And, um, you know, Perez, that's what I always say about sometimes referees, how they officiate when it comes to Kofi because of his size. But to call yeah. these tic-tac fouls on those Perez, that's just too much, especially in the big game. We want to see the star players play, right? That's what everybody want to see. You can't have a guy like that in foul trouble in a game like that, you know? Let him play, you know what I mean? Because we wanted to see that matchup between Edie and, and Kofi. But I would tell Ooh, you one thing. Edie, 7-4 for Purdue, that motherfucker can ball. <laughs> Yeah, he can, friends. And he kind of, he's skilled too, man, at that center spot. So I was like, this dude, man, big, can make shots, can post up. He got a lot to uh, lot to uh, give, man, to any team. And that size. Because he was giving yeah. Kofi problems offensively. When Kofi was trying to get shots off on him, man, Edie was making it tough on him. That size does matter. You, you're not talking about the pro level, man. That's a lot of size like that. But it's good. It's good learning for um, Kofi. But, man, I would love to see them go at all game, which didn't occur, though. But I'm with you, Perez. Edie, man, he's a good one. And in addition, when you look at that Purdue team, Safanovich, that dude was sniping out there. <laughs> I'm talking about, man, every time Illinois went on a nice little run, Purdue answered. And that's why this game was so cool. We had such a treat because, to me, it was a classic. You know, being a part of something like that, a double overtime game, but the, the shifts, right, the momentum changes. Like, Illinois would get a run. The crowd would get into it. Then Purdue answers. That was NCAA basketball at its finest man now with you there friends it was like some big shots made man by both teams and the good thing you talked about you mentioned stefanovich man that guy was breaking every time he made a run man he would break out a run with a three-pointer but overall like you were saying bro it was a lot of back and forth going on both teams and man we hung getting there bro to the end and that's why you got to get his team props because kofi was in foul trouble right that's a big part of our team and our identity a lot of times when kofi's not on the court we struggled to score offensively. In this Correct. game, though, we battled. And that was the thing that I really loved seeing in the game. You saw what Alfonso Plummer did in the second half of that ball game. Now, in the first half, Plummer struggled. But the second half, he put the team on his back, man, and did what he had to do out there. Man, those threes he was making prayers. I was like, man, this dude lights out with those threes, prayers. I mean, he was hitting some big ones, man, from all, all parts of the floor, man, from the corner. From front of center, I said, man, this dude came to play, man. And um, that what kept us in the game and helped us make that comeback in that second half. Also, another person that kept us in that game was uh, Benjamin Bossman's Verdunk. Now, he doesn't get a lot of credit. A lot of people in the line of nation, you know, kind of come after him because there's some things with his game offensively that he hasn't developed yet. But the guy is athletic. And in this ball game, whether it was Ivy, whether it was Edie, Benjamin Bossman Verdunk, he did his thing out there on defense. And I was very proud of that effort because not only Plummer, but that defense by Benjamin was huge in this ball game and keeping us in there, especially with the fact that we missed Kofi for a large majority of that ball game. Yeah, man, he was battling Perez. That's what you like to see guys do compete. Yes, and a lot, and a lot of things he did, Perez. You and I know this, man. They make the stat sheet, but it nope. definitely impacted the game. And that's why we shouldn't always focus on the stat sheet as fans. There's a lot of intangibles that go into these games. And what you saw from BBV were intangible things. Boxing out, making sure that you're sealing that opponent, you know, making sure that they you're making that post move that they're making to the lane a little tougher. Getting to the rebounds, right? All those things. Those things don't count, like you said, on the score sheet. But they matter, brother. They matter. 
Not a big time, man. And he made a, he made a big contribution to the team with that. So the only thing else that I have on this, on this Purdue game is for me, this is the best team that the Illini have played all this season. And that's no disrespect to Arizona because that was also a hell of a ball club as well. But this team has shown us that they can hang in there with these top teams. Now, this is another top 10 team that came into the to Champaign and the line, I played them tough. We didn't pull the victory out, but these are games that you can learn from. And one thing coach told us, President Presser, right? He said, hey, look, my team got better. We got better. So you know what? In a results standpoint, when you and I were watching Press, he is absolutely correct. These boys came to play, man. I'll tell you one thing, Press. It's going to be hard to beat the line man, going forward. Coach Underwood was correct with that. He definitely said that. He talked about the fact of how they hung in there. He was proud of the effort. I think many people in Illini Nation, you couldn't find much to nitpick about that ball game. That team right there fought and fought and fought. And that's what you want to see with your ball club. And one thing, too, especially with the fact that this game was played on MLK Day, I love the fact that Coach Underwood took a time when I asked him the question about talking about what Martin Luther King's legacy meant to him. And his answer, man, it was just, it was short and sweet and simple. But he's talked about everything that he stood for. <laughs> what he stood for is what we're missing in this world today. And it was just a simple, classy statement because it's true. We got too much hate in this world. Dr. King was against hate. And I think right. we need to get back to some of those principles that he was trying to instill in this world when he was making this world a better place. Absolutely, Perez. And you know what, bro? I got to give you a lot of credit, man, for asking that question. That's probably was the biggest question asked during the interview. So I've got to say, man, good job there. I like the response we got from that, man. And you know what? It's all about love, man. Got to show love. That's what Dr. King was all about, Perez. You know, just being prideful, man, being a human being, man, and supporting everybody. So Coach gave a good small words that made the whole hell of a lot. How can we not talk about the fact that we're playing this game on, a, on the day that a great man was born? And I thought that that was something that some other media members overlooked or maybe they were indifferent about but that's something that I don't take lightly that day every 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 year it's a day of reflection for me and it's a day for me to even look myself in the mirror and see what I could do to be a part of the change and to fulfill uh, Dr. King's dream so I just think that that's something that I implore other people to do as well it's more than just getting that day off it's also thinking about man what am I doing to be a part of the change putting the effort in to get better, man, to be a better citizen, to be a better human being, man, and to treat everybody fairly. Well, I would say when you look at this Illini team coming off that tough loss against Purdue, we got Maryland now coming up on the schedule. And now this ball game here against Maryland is going to be on the road. And it's our opportunity, Abel, to get back on track. So as you remember, on IO night, we beat Maryland 76-64 to in front of IO and DeMar DeRozan. Now this ball game <laughs> right. here on the road, I'm pretty. I'm feeling pretty good about this game because Maryland has definitely been struggling. They do. Yeah, they've been struggling, Perez. And while we're when they're struggling, we are getting better, right? I mean, we beat them last time we played against them. Okay, oh well. But guess what? Coach, we also was you know was was set down a little bit by coach, right? Because he didn't want to get pick up the extra fouls. But at the end of the day, man, I think going forward, this team we can get them, man. And I think that was why Coach gambled with Kofi in the game against Purdue with the fouls because he realized that he sat him too much in that Maryland game. He didn't want to make that same uh, mistake against Purdue, but it backfired on him. But I thought that was a good point, A-Dub, because, yeah, he sat Kofi a large part of that game, but Kofi still, you know, did Kofi things when he was out there. Yeah, man, 23 and 18 rebounds, baby. Hey, that's some big that's some big things, brother. Right, considering that he was on the bench for a little bit of time. but Exactly. 
But no, as I was mentioning, though, Maryland, when you look at this matchup, this should be a good one for the Illini. Like, we don't, we don't, we don't look down on any sort of competition. It's one of these situations that we realize that, hey, any given day, <laughs> you never know what you're going to get from your opponent. But let's just be honest here, man. Maryland has struggled a lot. The Illini, we're a team on the rise. As I mentioned earlier, Andre Cabello is back. He gave us a big lift in that ball game against Purdue. And I'm only looking for things to just get even better. Because as he mentioned in the presser this morning with the media, he talked about the fact that, hey, this team has got it. And this is why he wanted to be back out there with them. And we are so fortunate to have this kid back because when you have a guy like Andre Cabello returning back to your lineup, A-Dub, this just takes your team from being a really good contending team to potentially being a top 10 team, which I think they are. I think the same thing. I think they're a top 10 team, Perez. And you're right. With Cabello being back, man, the sky's the limit for this team, man. I'm looking forward to just watching them continue to play because we're going to get some good basketball games from Illinois going forward. And when you look at Kofi in this matchup against Maryland, they had a tough time containing him in the first matchup. I look for more of the same in this ball game against Maryland. Kofi is going to have a big-time game. And the fact that Corbello is back, to get him the ball in space and places for him to cash in, oh, man, A-Dub, we're going to be in a good spot. Yeah, man, I see a lot of excitement right there, Perez. And Kofi will have even a better game than he had the first time. So, yeah, man, Kofi going to do his thing, man, and ain't no stopping him. Now, on the last time we talked about the Maryland team, you brought up Eric Ayala. Now, he's probably one of the few bright spots on this ball club. He's been on a nice little tear as of late. So that's somebody on this in this matchup that I'm looking for Trent Frazier to be able to neutralize. Because I know in the last game, Trent was – he definitely did his thing on Fats Russell. But either way, I think if we could take away Eric Ayala from his ball game, dump the, dump the ball down low to Kofi, we should be in good shape. I, mean, I give him his respect there, Perez. But you're right, man. We slow him down, we'll be in good shape. Yes, sir. There's one thing to remember, audience. The Illini, we are an elite fucking team. And I know it took us a little bit of time to get that groove going here in this season. But I'm telling you, I see nothing but good things ahead for this ball club. And in that Big Ten standings, and I look forward to some of these games that as they continue to come down the schedule because we got a good one coming up next week against the Michigan State Spartans. Tom Izzo's coming to town, brother. So we'll be giving you guys our thoughts there on that preview, and we'll be live covering that game as well. So we definitely, definitely looking forward to it. Yes, sir. All right, we're going to switch gears over to the Chicago Bears real quick. Now, audience, we've seen all the shit that's going on on Twitter, man. Ed Dodds withdrew from the GM search. The fan base is going fucking crazy because the search is taking long. They feel like the Bears are interviewing everybody and anybody for this job. <laughs> but I want to preach patience, audience. Any of our Bears listeners, just relax. Let this thing play out. As we posted on Twitter, we don't want another naggy pace combo. So if it takes them a little bit of time to find the right people, then give them the benefit of the doubt here, which I know they haven't earned much of it. But it seems like they're trying to do things differently here. So I'm going to sit back and relax and let this thing play out. I'm with you, Press. I'm relaxed too, man. I don't want to rush into nothing and get the wrong coaching GM. Let's do this right. Take our time with it, man. Do our homework and pick the best two uh, people for that for those jobs. Yes, sir. The last piece on the Chicago Bears is Jimmy Graham. Shout out to him. He was named a finalist for the USAA Salute to Service Award. Jimmy Graham continues to put in work, not only when it comes to the military and the veterans and their families, but Jimmy Graham also was in the foster system. And he does so much work 
for kids that are in that system as well. So I just have to give credit to Jimmy Graham. I know I see a lot of stuff about him when it comes to his contract and, and, and things of that nature. But as a man, there's nothing anybody can say negative about Jimmy Graham. Not at all, Chris. Off the field, man, work phenomenal. He got my respect. Yes, sir. Well, speaking of respect, A-Dub, the Chicago Sky and the WNBA, we are in the midst of free agency. And I told our audience this summer, A-Dub, I said, this WNBA free agency is probably going to be the biggest free agency that they've had in the history of this league. And it has not disappointed so far. When we look at some of our players on our team right now, we don't know what's getting ready to happen. When we got Diamond Shields out here meeting with half the fucking league and basically saying today that, hey, I'm, I have an open mind, but I don't know how things are going to shape up here when it comes to Chicago. When I heard that, I said, fuck, man, what the hell happened? <laughs> hey, friends, you know that money, man. Money talk, bro. When you're in free agency, you want to get the best deal possible, right? You know how it go. And sometimes they don't consider winning, right, about, hey, what you did last year, how you won. They're looking at the paycheck now. So I totally get it. But, man, I hope we can keep her. But it's going to be tough, bro. It's going to be tough. Well, she's planning to narrow her list down to three teams that she considers to be, like, serious contenders. Now, I talked about the fact that how she's a vital part to this team. She was a third overall draft pick for us back in 2018. And when I look at this, I say free agency may not go the way that you and I envisioned it was going to go a couple weeks ago when we talked about it. Because not only are we looking at a situation that we may lose the Shields, but don't forget, Courtney Vandersloot is also out there free agency right now, along with her wife, Allie Quigley. So we haven't heard a lot of reports there, but these ladies right now are all enjoying free agency. This is the opportunity for them for the first time, especially when you got Vandersloot. This is the first time when she can kind of be out there and see what other opportunities are out there for herself. Yeah, you know what? It's a good learning, right? I- I'm not mad at them for taking the time to see to explore their options spreads, but as a Chicago fan, it's kind of scary though, right, bro? Because <laughs> like, yeah. hey, we can we can lose some people. <laughs> we really could some key people to this team. Yeah, and that's going to be tough to see. And so we'll see what happens there. But in, in Diamond's own words, she said, honestly, I don't really see myself being back in Chicago, unfortunately. It's not something I ever envisioned for myself or thought would happen. But she said, but things change, feelings change, and people change. So when I saw that quote, I said, yep, definitely somebody uh, gave her an offer that uh, we can't probably come anywhere near right now. <laughs> and that's what it's about right there, man, that dollar sign. But also, too, I think it goes more to money when it comes to her. I think that she wants to find a team that sees her as a starter and a franchise player. When you look at this Chicago Sky team, Candace Parker's the face of the franchise. Kalia Copper is that budding star on the team. And I think Diamond wants to go somewhere where she could be kind of that name or the, the, the marquee player on the team. That's just the way that I see it. You know what, Perez? You, you may be right because, you know, with us, you know, she had to come off the bench. She was starting, then came off the bench. So maybe she want to get back in that starting rotation. You never know. So you make a good point. But we know that she loves Chicago. She sent that every chance that she could get. But we know how free agency works. Even if you have the intention on wanting to go, things happen, right? And so things stay fluid with these situations. So we'll definitely see. But think about Stephanie Dolson, A-Dub. Now, this is another free agency that another free agent that I predicted on this show that she would return, and I said, it'll probably be on a reduced salary. And I think you thought that she may end up leaving. Well, we'll see what happens there because now Stephanie's out here meeting with other teams. She met with the New York Liberty, and she met today with the uh, Las Vegas Aces. 
And so a lot of these teams in the league are seeing Stephanie as a valuable player to come off the bench. She's one of the best screeners in the game. And she became a really good pick and pop player in Coach Wade's system this season. Yep, she became all that press, and she also plays physical too. So, yeah, man, she's a hot commodity, you know, so she's a contributor, I would say. But losing her, man, that would be tough too. You remember I mentioned that she went on a podcast and said that for her, taking a team-friendly deal to remain on a contending team wouldn't necessarily be off the table, but you never know what these teams around the league may start offering her. We'll see what the type of opportunities they may be out there for because that Aces team, they're a pretty good teammate, though. They are, man. And she'll be, a, a, man, again, a viable contributor there. But it, it's it's just hard to even hear. You are not talking about the fact that we can lose these pieces, friends. But I get it, man. Yeah, it, it's, it's just tough to hear. Now, I will say this, though. One of the things about Stephanie that I really loved hearing about was I saw where she's state, stateside. And she's working on her game. She said that there was parts of her game that she thought needed to be cleaned up a little bit. So she wanted to focus on her development here in this here in the offseason. So she opted not to travel overseas. And I thought that was huge. She got her trainer. So you can see she's taking this offseason very seriously. And you never know what she'll be able to bring into the next season for a team, whether it's the Sky or if she decides to go to one of these other teams that's, that's going after her. Man, that's good for her, though, Perez. The fact that she's even working hard to even get better. So that just tells a lot about who she is and what her character like. You know, at her age, she's still working hard, trying to get better, man. I salute to that. So hopefully she gives goes where she where she wants to go, you know. No fucking facts there, facts there, ain't dub. Well, let's segue over to our Windy City Bulls content before we get into our discussion with our brother Buzz from Bulls on Tap. All this, yes, we have a guest coming on the show. The first guest that we've had on this show, he's a good one, good guy, friend of the show. Uh, we've had him on one of our other uh, podcasts in the past. Buzz is that good. He's that deal. So we're definitely looking forward to having him come into the show here in a moment and join us to discuss all things Chicago Bears. But before Buzz comes on, A-Dub, Devon Dotson, waved by the Bulls, bro. Man, that was hard to hear, Brez. That was hard to see, hard to hear, man. I like Dotson. You and you and I both do. And I thought he was starting to show some signs of getting better. You saw how, how, his, how his game was starting to come to him, man. And now to see that he's been waved, that's tough, man. Hard. Well, this is the thing. It's a numbers game with the Bulls organization. Think about all the point guards, all the guards that they have. We're heavy. Yeah. The area where the Bulls needed some help was up front in the front court. So when Malcolm Hill started to evolve a little bit, and we'll get into that a little bit later with, with Buzz, it made it expendable for Devon Dotson. But I don't think he's going to be uh, without a job very long because, to your point, that guy showed a lot in that G League level, one of the top players in that G League, and he got better. Yep, absolutely, friends. And I like what you also said about us with the guards, man. And part of that is that your boy Io, man, have gotten so much better, you know, and it's just made a lot of guys exp- expendable. Like, you know what? <laughs> just get ready to play. So, I mean, Dotson and other guys probably going to get hit pretty hard because of their reason, but uh, it's unfortunate, but, you know. Well, with that, with that idea of thinking about that big league team that we're going to talk about here in a second, Tyler Cook and Marco Samanovic, these guys have both spent time going up and down. Tyler Cook it got injured earlier in the season. He got reassigned to the G League, and so was Marco Samanovic. And so we saw in that game against the Toronto 905 that Tyler Cook was out there playing like a man possessed and looking like a guy that was ready to get back to the big league team. Marco Samanovic, however, looks like a guy that might need a little bit more seasoning in the G League. Yeah, man, Marco, like you need a little more work. And I think a lot of it that you and I probably saw came around, I got to say it, to toughness, you know, playing a little bit more physical, 
crashing the boards really hard. So those major things. And also being aggressive offensively. You got a chance to score and go for it, you know? So I think right there, a couple of things need to, you know, tweak up a little bit. Yeah, but those are things that he'll want. And I also think, too, a big focus for the Bulls with Marco was to help him put on a little bit more muscle in that frame, get stronger. But I think getting those consistent minutes with the Windy City Bulls would be a, a big, a, be a big benefit for him. Yeah, I'm with you there, Perez. I still think this guy, this kid still has a lot that he can show, you know, still got a lot of improvement, of course. But man, the future still looks bright for him, Perez, in my opinion, because you're right, still got a lot of good twos. But poking up would definitely help. Yes, sir. Before we get into our recap of the Raptors 905 game, A-Dub, I did want to talk about the acquisition of Andre Harrison that the Windy City Bulls did. So they made that move, and they traded away their first and second-round draft pick to get him and Jeremy Parker, who's going to stay overseas for the time being. But when you saw that move for uh, Andrew Harrison, A-Dub, what were your thoughts there? I was like, okay, all right. Maybe this guy can come in and be a, a quick contributor for us right away for this team and help them continue to get better. Well, when I looked at it, I said, okay, Andrew Harrison, former NBA player, great kid in college, played in Kentucky, has a little bit of that pedigree. He's probably going to come in here and really be able to shift that talent dynamic here that we have and bring more of that veteran presence. I think that's going to be great because when you looked at that roster prior to some of these moves, it was a younger roster. Now when you bring a guy like Perry Jones in here, now you have Andrew Harrison coming here. Now you're bringing some experience to this Windy City team some pro guys that'll be able to teach some of those lessons to your current roaches and your Ethan Thompson and Daniel Tubu and so forth. You know what I mean? You know, think about this. Some of these vets are pretty much humble too, friends. They're down to earth. They want to show they got something to prove, but they also want to share that knowledge like you were saying. Well, let's get into that uh, Raptors 905 game. So in this ball game, the Windy City Bulls picked up another win, A-Dub. And I was impressed by the way that they played. They played at a nice little pace. They turned the ball over a little bit too much for my liking. However, man, they were shooting the fuck out of that, bu- uh, out of that <laughs> basketball. Yeah, they were, man. I mean, Lindsey was getting hot out there, friends. I think he was yes, like five, five from three, man. Yes, sir. I was like, man, dude, just knocking it down, man. But then you also had your boy Oturu come in the game, man, just start dominating the glass and dominating the balls on the offensive end and putting back stuff. So it's like, they just played a good offensive game, man, a good showing. I think Lindsey was showing off in front of Giannis because all this is you guys probably saw. <laughs> Giannis. He pulled up to Now Arena to check out his brother who plays for the Raptors uh, 905 team. I think the boys are showing off for Giannis. That's what I think. Yeah, you know what, Brad? You got somebody in the building like that, that kind of pedigree. You pulled to show off, right? <laughs> you pulled to show that, hey, I can play it all just in case you didn't know. <laughs> yep. And the one thing, too, Giannis's little brother, he ain't played too bad now. He had a couple little plays. He had like a nice little and one drop to the basket. I was like, okay, now you showing off for your brother because they were saying. <laughs> One of the uh, the Raptors 905 uh, media guys told me, he said, that's the best that he will played all season. I'm like, well, shit, this big brother over there. That's what you're supposed to do. Yeah, you got a big brother right there sitting down watching your game, man, front row seat, looking at everything you do. Oh, you don't want to hear about this at home. So you guys wait better show up and show out. But you made a hell of a point about Daniel Turu, Scotty Lindsay, but I also think Bryce Alford should be brought in there because – that bench for the Windy City Bulls is the reason why they won that game. They outscored the Raptors 905. That bench was phenomenal for them in that ball game. And that's why I brought up the point of the moves that they've made. The GM mm-hmm. of the Windy City Bulls has done a really good job of, of, of really getting this roster beefed up because they have a really good bench right now. And I think that that's going to give them an advantage in the second half or in this regular season portion of the schedule. 
I agree with you, Prez. This team here, I'm starting to like a little bit more, Prez. And like you said, man, a lot of guys on this team got some talent. They can play, Prez. And look, I, I expect some good things out of this team. I mean, they have a lot of talented ball players. I mean, a lot of talented ball players. I mean, you look at a guy like, as you mentioned, Daniel Turu, 26 and 14. He was out there imposing his will. And I'm telling you, he's a, it's only a matter of time before a guy like that gets plucked off of this roster. Because this guy has been nothing but consistent since he's been down in the G League. He's been killing that paint, banging, baby. I mean, <laughs> I mean, the dude's shooting off his arsenal, right, Perez? His moves he got. So I like to see guys continue to develop. He's one of those guys we've seen continue to grow, continue to develop, man. And like you made it, one important statement you made, consistency. Oh, yeah, definitely consistent. And I like the fact that Coach Domasant rolled the hot hand. He stayed with Daniel Turu. He kept Tyler Cook on the bench there in the second half, which I think that was probably an injury precaution because – they're trying to work Tyler Cook to get back ready to be on the Bulls on the big team. But I thought that sticking with Oturu in that second half was a big-time decision by Coach. Yeah, it was a big-time decision, man. And you know what? He didn't let Coach down, so got to give no. Coach a lot of credit back. Like you said, man, going with the hot end. Yeah, because that's what that fourth quarter, man, the, the the Windy City Bulls, I mean, they went on that run, and I, it, was, it, was a, it, was a, it was a wrap from there. Yep, they were looking forward to finding him, man, throwing nice passes, and the guy was executing. But I, the one thing, though, I would say, that, and this is one thing about this team that they're going to have to clean up, they have to learn how to close teams out. Because if you remember, A-Dub, the Raptors 905 made this game tight down the stretch because Giannis's brother hit back-to-back threes. They had cut that lead down to two points there in the last minutes of the ball game. But that's when we went on that late run that I was talking about and closed them out. But you can't let these teams, you got to put teams away. You can't let teams hang around with you because with you, that's how you get beat. Yeah, that's a good point right there, Perez. You're right about that, man. We got to do better in that area. So I think that's something they're probably looking at. They can see on film. You know how it go, right? Teams watch film, but they got to look at that part of the game and say, look, we got our foot on their neck. Let's keep it there. Yeah, definitely got to keep your feet on their neck. Well, audience, as I mentioned to you guys a moment ago, we joined on today's show by our brother Buzz from Bulls on Tap. Buzz, talk to him. What's going on, guys? Long time no talk. I brought a beer. Uh, I'm ready to talk some Chicago Bulls basketball. Fuck around. Yes, I haven't talked to you guys in a long time, number one. And I'm glad to be back hanging out with my friends. That's number one. Yes, number sir. two, last time we talked, the Bulls were not the Bulls of now. No. So we have a lot of good shit to talk about today. And the last time you and I pulled up, I came to your draft party. Yeah. Remember we talked about the Patrick Williams thinking we, me and you both wanted LaMelo. Remember that? Yes, we, yeah. Well, I, I think, I think we still do. <laughs> like the yeah, seven and seven this year man and my boy p will who which i still i'm still on p will the train i think he's gonna be good but man p will been hurt a lot guys he's been hurt a lot I, i'm on i'm on the p will train too i'm i'm on the p will packing his stuff up and putting him on a train that's, <laughs> that's, that's, that's where i'm at bro like i uh i i like i'm not trying to sound like a dick about it you know he's a good kid for sure has a good head on his shoulders. If you watch any of the interviews with him, all that stuff, he wants to be good. He's going to be a good worker. I'm pretty sure he's going to be a good basketball player. But after all the moves that Acme made this offseason, he is a trade asset to put around a guy like DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Zach Levine to actually make some real noise in the Eastern Conference playoffs and possibly get to the ECF. If they can get to the conference finals, I think they could do that with one more guy. I, I really do. And I think that it takes Pat to 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 get that guy so there have been a lot of people and not just 
Bulls Twitter, but just there's been a lot of quote unquote experts out there that have mentioned not only Pete Will's name, but Kobe White. I don't want us trading Kobe White. What are your thoughts about that? I can't yeah. do it, bro. I can't do it. I, I tweeted this out uh, yesterday or the day before. I can't remember. But um, Kobe White gives you something that you know you have now, and he's still a young player, right? I mean, what is he, 21? This is yeah. third year, or yeah, third year in the NBA. So I look at Kobe White and I look, okay, he's turned it around since he came back from his injury. Everybody wanted him traded as soon as he came back from his shoulder, offseason shoulder surgery. Oh, he sucks. What happened? I'm like, yo, hold up. No training camp, no preseason. He didn't get those things. Now, over the last 14, 15 games, he scored double digits in all of them, shooting insane percentages. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, oh, Kobe, I love Kobe White. Oh, he's a good trade asset. No, no, no. You need a score like that off the bench when you get into the playoffs. That's he's right. somebody that you need. Him and Caruso next to each other come playoff time, a score, a defender shit and if Lonzo's healthy by then which he should be healthy in March from this meniscus tear probably about right. two weeks before the playoffs start then you put Io with those guys oh oh like that's off your bench I, and I'm also not, I'm not with it and also this all of those guys you just named I have the biggest smile on my face because that's death by a thousand cuts for any of these fucking teams that think that they're gonna fuck with us in these playoffs oh dude and like that's the crazy thing is Kobe does not have to focus on anything but scoring the ball off of this bench. And when he is focused on that one singular thing, it's going to be a fucking problem for, I don't care who it is. I don't care if it's Brooklyn, which will be a very tough matchup. Don't get it me wrong. Kobe, yeah. Kobe's going to get his it, Milwaukee. He, Kobe's going to get his off the bench. And then you have defenders around him that can, and a playmaker. Look what the doing. Look what IO is doing right now, yes, sir. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like those guys compliment him so well. That's why I don't want to trade him. I would rather trade Pat. Who's, Hurt, not going to contribute this year. And this might be the best chance at an opportunity for a fucking ring. Yeah, you're right. Now, let me ask you this, Buzz. Who are you going after if you're trading Pat Will? Are you on the Jeremy Grant train? I would not be mad about that. I know a lot of, after his comments, what was that yesterday? Where, or not his comments, but his agent's comments. Agent, he does not yeah. want to be a, you know, he wants to be a primary option as a score. Well, if you can score 20 points a game and you're doing it in Detroit, you know, you, you, can get, you can get your looks over here, man. Like, if you want to stay in Detroit, by all means, stay in that hellhole. No problem. Sure <laughs> if, you want, if you want to win, like, and you want to actually win, and if think about this for a minute. He has two years left on his contract, right? He wants to secure a bag. And I see his thought process. How does he secure the bag? Showing that he's a dynamic scorer by getting the ball in his hands all the time, which is what he's going to do in Detroit. But he can also get a bag by being a very complimentary piece on a championship team. There's two ways to do this. Right. I think that if the Bulls did look at him, he would come here. And plus, with the history with his uncle, you know, Horace Grant and shit yep. like that, you know, he'd be accepted right away. Hopefully, he'd accept a role. You have guys like Harrison Barnes that are out there that I really liked Harrison Barnes when he was a Duke. I liked him when he was drafted. You know, I mean, Harrison Barnes is a good player. I don't know if Harrison Barnes warrants Patrick Williams, though. No way. No. I, I don't feel that. But the trade that we talked about last night on Bulls on Tap, was John Collins is very frustrated in Atlanta right now. Yeah. That dude can defend. He can step out and hit the three. He does not operate in the same vicinity Vooch does offensively. And he hides some of Vooch's de- uh, deficiencies, like lateral movement right? And, sh- and, and high-end shot blocking. That's who I want. I want John Collins. But I'll take and he's just And he's just an athletic freak. <laughs> right, right. I mean, you see what he's doing this year, dude? He's hitting like fucking crazy amount of like 38% of his threes this year. It's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, he definitely added that dimension to his game. For sure. 
Now, think about the buyout market, though. I mean, because that's something else that a lot of people aren't even thinking about. So I think the whole trade portion is is cool, but we don't even know the names that may end up on the buyout market. What if you could get a guy like Tristan Thompson, which I don't know how you guys feel about that, but we need some size on this fucking team. Just That's my opinion. You know, I, you I agree at, with you. Yeah, when I, you look at the playoffs. I guess this year, when you look at the, what the season DeMar DeRozan's having, and you know the season Zach's having. Zach's in the contract here. I do believe he's back. But Father Time's undefeated. You got Vooch, who's doing shooting not great, but he's still averaging a double double and doing his thing. You have Demar Derozan, who is an MVP candidate. That's right. So I just don't want this season to go by the wayside, man. Like yeah. I don't like if you can capitalize and you really think you could win. I think you got to swing big. Yeah, because it's for the taking, Buzz. I really do. I think this this year, if it's shown us anything. I mean, the Nets and Milwaukee, they're right there. And I think that if you're going to take those teams down, this is the year to do it, especially Brooklyn. You know, A-Dub and I talk about this on the show often with that team. You don't know what the fuck you're getting from Kyrie, and I'm not going to get into all the minutia behind him, but I look at that team as a team that I think we really match up really well with. When it comes to fucking Milwaukee, Giannis is a bad motherfucker, bro. Size, man. Milwaukee's got that size, and it's it's fucking intimidating. But I don't know if you saw this on – NBA TV, they were talking about it. And I don't know how true it is or if it was just like a bullshit rumor, but they were talking about a James Harden for Ben Simmons swap. I saw that shit. That would make Philly and Brooklyn somehow better. Like yeah. after after trading stars, essentially. I mean, obviously Simmons isn't playing right now, but yeah. if he goes over to fucking Brooklyn and then Harden goes over to, to uh, Philly with Embiid, oh shit. Like that, that's another team you have to worry about. That's why I'm like, swing swing like they need to swing and the bulls need to swing and get somebody effective because the east is going to get tough man it's already tough now well you you saying that buzz i got a little little my palms got a little sweaty thinking about ben simmons playing with katie oh fuck dude fuck that oh See, that's some dumb 2K <laughs> shit that's just going to piss yeah. me off. <laughs> like, you guys would be like, where are you at? And I'm going to be dark in the basement here. I'm not, I'm not getting on Twitter. I'm not fucking watching nothing. I'm just going to sit here and be upset. You know, <laughs> that's some 2K stuff, man. Yep. Speaking of being upset, man, how did you feel about the uh, most recent loser streak, man? I, I Bulls Twitter, you know, sometimes they can be a little insufferable. Everybody act like it was the end of the world. I'm like, look at the fucking teams that we were playing, and we were so fucking shorthanded. But what were your thoughts on that, man? Uh, you know what, dude? They came out a couple times where I did, I felt like they fell a little bit flat. But I wouldn't okay. say I wouldn't say fucking like we need to freak out or anything. I mean, come on, that's kind of it's ignorant for people that are doing that because again, like you just pointed out, everybody was fucking hurt. We're starting Alfonso McKinney, Chicago. I know, I yes. get it, yes, but sir. at the fucking four. He's starting. He wasn't on a team this year. No. <laughs> you know, like, so you're mad? You're you're upset? Like, no Lonzo, no Zach, no Caruso, right. no Patrick Williams, you know, no Javante Green, no Derek Jones Jr. I mean, the list goes on. No Caruso, like, I, right? He's like, <laughs> yeah. Like, I just felt like everybody kind of freaked out for a dumb reason. And look, four-game losing streak, still in first place. Yes, sir. No, yes, I'm, sir. Just, I'm just saying. Yes, sir. Now, you talked about it earlier in this segment. You talked about Lonzo Ball and that knee injury. Yeah. How do you see that affecting things down the stretch here for us? Well, with him being out six to eight weeks, and we're, and we're just going to say eight weeks because you know how these fucking things go, especially a meniscus tear. I think we've lived through enough of them here in Chicago. We know oh, how this man. works. Yes, sir. So he'll probably be out the better part of eight weeks. He'll come back two weeks before the playoffs are supposed to start. But I actually just wrote an article that will probably come out tonight over at ONTAP Caruso's healthy again, right? He's back. Yeah, he's so, back. So 
keep, you know, uh, Derek Jones Jr. is going to be coming back eventually. Zach should be back next Wednesday. Start Io. That's where I'm at, dude. Start Io. His starting numbers in the five games that he has started this year are unbelievable. It's like he's averaging. I'm going to find, I, I don't want to get, you know, fact checked. That happened to me one time when I was drunk on my own podcast. And someone fact checked me, and I was like wrong, like real wrong, and they and they they ripped me. But he's averaging uh, seven or fourteen points, seven assists, and four point six rebounds as a starter this year in thirty eight and a half minutes a game. See. Now I know that the percentages are astronomical here. His field goal percentage seventy six percent. That's what, that's your my player in two K, sixty six percent from downtown. Those will drop, but the fact right. that he is doing what he's doing defensively, his playmaking. And the ability to hit an open shot when presented, I feel like he should start. And then let Kobe and Caruso come off the bench so your bench unit doesn't lose any of its firepower or effectiveness. That's where I'm at with it. I mean, I, I, of course I want Lonzo, but right. give Io the chance. Look what he's doing now. I mean, give him the chance and keep your bench still dynamic. And he's taking advantage of it too. I mean, you think about this. Second round draft pick, which we all knew draft night when we got him, we were fortunate. Still mm-hmm. in the fucking draft, bro. Still in the fucking draft. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think that I owe, I don't know why he fell so far. Cause even if you like watch, like go back last year and like watch the Big Ten tourney and stuff like that. And even some of like the, you know, interconference matchups they had, that dude was rose to the occasion in every big game. I don't, did they not see enough athleticism out of him? I'm not sure. I'm not a scout. There's a reason I don't work in the NBA or probably in traditional media as well. But I thought Io was at least a first round pick in like the twenties. I, I didn't think that he'd drop all the way to the thirties where he did. You, most of those mock drafts had him going in the lower twenties, right? So when he yep. kept dropping and dropping, I said, holy shit, he may come to Chicago. Now, one thing we talked about on this show earlier in the summer was the fact that these scouts, they fall in love with potential. And and guys that, oh, this guy's only been around for one year, but he's going to project to be this. I think they thought that Io had a certain ceiling. Well, guess what? That's the ceiling I want on my fucking team. Yeah, no, dude, you're 100% right. I mean, the one thing I think that if I'm curious to see a lot of the scouting reports on him from people who do it professionally, because look at his three-point shooting. He was not that guy at Illinois. Now he's that guy. I mean, he's yeah. hitting it. And he's taking, like, again, in the, in the starts this year, in his five starts, he's taken two and a half three-pointers a game. He's hitting 1.6 out of them, good enough for 66%. 32% of those three-pointers are, are, are from the corner. So, I mean, he probably lived in the gym all summer and just sniped away corner threes. And it, it's translated to in-game. And it's really worked out, man. So, I, I, I love the fact that he's kicking ass. And I hate that Lonzo went down, but I feel like inserting him into the lineup still keeps your bench strong and gives him the opportunity to, to not only just shine, but to get reps with the first team like he's doing now. And I think he can contribute to him. No, I think so, too. And, and honestly, man, for most Illinois fans, if they thought the I.O. was going to come in here and do what he did, they're fucking lying. Like, I thought he would be like a solid rotational piece, probably spend some time back and forth with the G League. Fuck the that. same I, shit, yep. Yeah, fuck <laughs> that. I.O. said, I'm going to not spend one moment <laughs> I will not be going to Hoffman unless I'm sitting courtside like Zach and them was doing. You know what I mean? <laughs> Dude, and you're right. I said the same shit on Bulls on Tap in this uh, season preview. I said, like, yeah, he'll probably bounce between the G League. He won't see a lot of minutes. Yep. It is what it is. But, I mean, a, a key thing is a lot of people will be like, well, he only got minutes because people got injured. Well, no, 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 no. Rewind. He started getting into those goddamn games. Mm-hmm. Probably within the first sixth, seventh, seventh game of the season, he started getting a little bit of run. 
And it was it, it was a slow build, but then he was a key rotational piece. Guy earned it, man. He earned everything he's got, and I, I love the fact that he's here. Me too. Now, when I, when I look at this team, too, you know, we talked about size. So, Malcolm, we brought him into the mix here. They cut Devon Dotson. Devon Dotson didn't really have a, much of a chance here because of the guards. I mean, we talked about yeah. that ad nauseum here on the show. So, what were your thoughts when you saw that Malcolm got, got signed on, on that two-way deal? Oh, I was I was stoked just because he's another Illinois guy. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, it's just, I, I'm a homer, dude. I'll always be a homer. So, like, when these guys get brought in, I, I'm always freaking out about it, you know. But I like that Malcolm Hill came in. He came in his first game. He gave us 18 good minutes against Boston. You know, he played good defense. Unfortunately, we ended up losing that game, kind of blowing that six-point lead there within the last minute and, what, minute and ten maybe. And, uh, you know, it, it sucked. But if there's a silver lining in anything is that he got a two-way contract. Yes. And, you know, he brings a little bit of size. I mean, he's just six, six, but he's kind of a stocky kid, right. you know, so, and he's strong. So I think that it was a, a good pickup for the bulls. Obviously when everybody's healthy, he will be way at the end of the bench, right. but that's okay though. Like if he can come in now and, and provide a little bit of help, well, we have all these injuries. I'm all for it. Well, I would say this, man. When I saw him take those charges in that Boston game, I was not surprised that he got signed on that two-way. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, dude. He's putting his body on the line. He's playing pretty good on-ball defense. Those Illinois guys under Underwood, man, they they all play scrappy. They all oh, yeah. Do. Hell, yeah. Talk that but, talk, Buzz. Talk that yeah. talk. <laughs> I'm, into, I, I'm into it, brother. I, I love what I'm seeing out of them. And you know what? A coaching staff like Billy Donovan and, and Mo Cheeks and, and company with these young players, it's just going to help them get even better than they ever were. So I'm, I'm all for it. So with Zach, that injury, boy, we dodged one, didn't we? Oh, dude, dude, I was, I was, I was panicking immediately. Dude, the knee injuries in Chicago, especially for the Bulls, I don't care what anybody says. Oh, Derrick Rose was here all these years ago. Forget about it. No, I'm fucking traumatized. That happens to people. People get traumatized. I'm traumatized. <laughs> I'm fucking emotionally scarred. <laughs> I was at the game when Rose tore his ACL, yeah. and I can't unsee it. You know, no, it was like, a, no. it was the second worst sports moment in history I've ever been a part of outside of Knox, Johnny Knox getting bent. Oh, like God. he did back with the Bears. I, I, I thought Johnny Knox died on the field, bro. So did I. I was there. I, was, I thought he was done. I was like, yeah. oh my God, this is the worst day of my life. You know, yeah. and, but when Rose got hurt, it, it scarred me. So when Levine grabbed that board against Golden State, and he tweaked his knee and he just walked right on out. I'm like, oh no, everything, mm-hmm. everything yeah. I've talked shit about is not going to happen now. And when we saw that it was the same needy toward the ACL, that's why I was like, oh, fuck. Yeah, I'm not a doctor, and I'm not sure, but isn't it unlikely if you tear your ACL? I mean, anything could happen, obviously, but yeah. is it unlikely if you tear your ACL in the knee, like, you can tear it again? Is it very unlikely? or is They it- say it's, like, less likely. Yeah. It's li- okay, so, okay. It's, yeah. yeah, I wasn't sure on how that worked. I was just, I was terrified, man, but I'm glad he'll be back. Like I said, they had the report come out today that he's responding to the treatment well. Because uh, as of yesterday, all he was doing was stationary shooting, but they said he progressed a lot today. I'm not sure if that was running and jumping yet, but they do slate him back on Wednesday against Toronto. So, and that'll be back at the United Center. He will not be traveling on the three-game road trip. Right. Yep, exactly. So you talked about DeMarvelous. Yeah, DeMarvelous. Man, man talk, talk about that. Because I, I'll tell you, I have to, I will raise my hand. When we signed him, mm-hmm. A-Dub can attest to this. I looked at the 85 million and I said, what are they doing? Listen, I was wrong. <laughs> I can admit when I'm wrong. <laughs> that man's worth every bit of that shit. And then some. <laughs> yeah. So Goose said the same thing. Uh, uh, and I told him like, man, I kind of like DeMar. 
I was like, I know that DeMar's not the traditional three-point shooter, but I like that he that he has a mid-range game. And then Popovich turned him into some sort of like hybrid fucking forward guard who can, you know, like who can run an offense. And I was like, man, it's never a bad thing to have multiple guys in your starting lineup that can bring the ball up the floor. And so I liked it. I didn't, but I'll tell you the truth. I didn't fucking think he'd be an MVP candidate. Fuck no. <laughs> like this, this shit's insane. He's shooting a career high from downtown right now. He's shooting 34% from downtown. If the season were to end today, that's a career high. Um, he's averaging 1.8 three pointers a game. And that is the, he's tied actually for uh, fourth highest okay. in his 12 year career. I love everything he's done this year, man. I mean, 25, five and five. He's averaging mm-hmm. 25, five and five. It, it, it's pretty amazing to see a 32 year old DeMar DeRozan doing what he's doing. And the fact that he does not live off of athleticism mm-hmm. anymore, like he did when he first came back into the league in, in, in 20, uh, 2010 or 2009, it shows that he is one of those guys that's going to be around for a while. He'd be like a Vince Carter. I think, man, I think so too. I think he's going to be in the league till he's like fucking 40 years old. And I thought you made a hell of a point, Buzz, when you talked about that effect that Pop had on this game because he was not that player in Toronto. No, no, he wasn't at all. You're 100% right. He didn't do the things that he's doing right now. Like, we didn't see DeMar DeRozan going into fucking pick and rolls. You didn't no. see that. You saw him cutting and jumping. That's what DeMar DeRozan did. He went to the rim. He was a slasher himself, and he was cutting to get his baskets. And with a good point guard like Kyle Lowry, who made it easy for him, it was great. Now he's the one creating those opportunities for players. So I, I dig it, dude. I, I fucking, if he doesn't win the MVP, I will riot. He better. He better. I'll get, I'll get kicked out of the United Center again. I will, I will, <laughs> I will lose my shit, dude. I will tell you, Buzz, uh, that wouldn't be the first time for me either getting kicked out of the NBC. <laughs> <laughs> I learned the hard way. I had too many of those fucking, uh, Jack and Cokes, man, took me over the edge. I wasn't mean. I was just more so loud and obnoxious. Yeah, no, I've been there. I've been yeah, there. Yeah. During, during the D-Rose era, they ushered my ass about it there real quick. <laughs> <laughs> so prayers are scared straight, baby. Scared straight. Scared there you straight. go. There you go, man. Well, before we get out of here, I, I got to get your thoughts on this uh, Bulls-Bucks preview because I'm really excited and stoked about this matchup. Yeah, I'm... I just want to say like one thing, and I know you guys, you know, we could swear on this podcast, which I love that so much. I hate when I go on pods and they're like, no, you can't, you can't swear. I'm like, oh no, but fuck the NBA and ESPN for flexing this game. Are you serious guys? Like we flexed it. Why? We don't have Zach. We don't have Lonzo Ball. Right. And you flexed it. So Giannis could put his nuts in our face. That's what they, did. they did it again. They put, yep. We don't need to be on national TV without our best players to actually, I mean, I, I'm not saying we can't put up a fight, but I'm yeah. saying like, there's a good chance we get fucked up. It's a good yeah. chance because yeah. they have size in Milwaukee. We don't have size, but then we don't have our first best shot creator or our, who would have been an all defensive, probably what, what do you think? First team oh, guard sure. in Lonzo ball this year. For sure. Yes. So now that he's missed his time, he probably won't get those honors, but we don't have him either. So we're going to have to go on ESPN on fucking Friday. I, I hate it. I hate Milwaukee so much, dude. It has to be Milwaukee. It's like, yeah. it has to be. Like, like it why is it the Bucks? Rival. <laughs> yeah, right. It has to be a division rival where we get our asses kicked. I'm having fucking flashbacks of Bears Packers now. I'm getting irritated. Like, you have to put that on <laughs> national TV, dude. Like, and then you go on Twitter, right? You guys know the grind on Twitter. 
Oh, you're a Chicago sports fan? Oh, open my fucking phone. 50 notifications. Ha ha, dumbass. The fucking Bulls got their, Bears got their ass kicked. Bulls got their ass kicked on national TV. It's like, okay, receipts, motherfucker. Yep. Keep them all, Buzz. Keep them all. I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Well, for the Bears, I might get rid of them because they still freak me out. But the Bulls, I'm keeping every receipt. Yeah. Well, I think those Bears will one day. One day. You know. Uh, I hope so. I, I hope I'm, I'm, for, I'm forever optimist, Buzz. I'm forever optimist when it comes to those Bears. I heard, but I it's, hope... it's going to be the death of me, though. It's going to be the death of me. Oh, yeah. Well, I hope me, you, and A-Dub can sit somewhere one day in, in what I imagine to be heaven with some beers. <laughs> and uh, we're looking down, watching the Bears win a Super Bowl. And because uh, I don't think it's going to happen in my life. I'm, I'm, I'm 30 now. I am 30. I'm old now. I have a gray in here and they still haven't fucking won anything yet. So uh, I, I just, that's it. I just need to see them win, guys. And I could I can go as a happy sports fan. Wouldn't that be a bitch? Would I just be looking over at you, Buzz, like these motherfuckers couldn't do it when we was down there, huh? Our, our luck, it'll be like two years after we all go. <laughs> yeah. like, God damn it. Like, God damn it. <laughs> oh, man, Buzz, look, man, love you, man. Thank you so much for uh, for joining the show. Hey, talk about what you guys are doing on Bulls on Tap and some of the other things you're doing at the On Tap Sports Network before you get out, man. Oh, yeah, for sure. I love you guys, too, and I'm really glad to be on the show. I love hanging out with you guys, and I wish that COVID wouldn't have derailed us hanging out like we were supposed to Yeah, um, the first time I was on here. That really sucked that we did that. But, yeah, we're doing some good things over at On Tap, man. Um, we have you know excellent Chicago sports coverage across the board, written content as well on the website, awesome articles coming out, uh, Bulls On Tap records after every single game uh other than the west coast games because i'm old i can't stay up for that shit or the <laughs> games that i'm at and then socks on tap is kind of like on a little hiatus right now just be, due to the lockout in the mlb but any written content you need we have articles coming out every day over at on so just check it out cool and we'll be seeing you at the podcast palooza because you know we cover windy city bulls so uh we're gonna grab a drink man yes let's get this job done dude we I, I, if I'm hanging out with you guys, I won't make it to the panel. I, <laughs> I, I won't make it to the panel. They they invited us out once this year already. Me and Tony on tap put down like nine beers. We we're sitting courtside. Yeah. And they were just like, you guys good? And I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> you know, like, I, if I get with you guys, it's going to be a rager. I've been waiting for this day for a long time, so I can't wait for that. Yeah, well, the 27th audience, and we're going to talk about it because we're going to pull up with our brother Buzz. We're going to pull up. Oh, they better be ready. They, they ain't going to know what's going to happen, dude. They're going to nah, be all scared. Hoffman ain't ready. They already ain't ready. No, they ain't ready. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, I ain't ready, but I'm going to make it Well, Bulls, man, thanks so much, man, for jumping on, man. And we'll be in touch, man. I got your number, man. So I'll definitely uh, be hitting you up before that podcast palooza. For sure. You guys have a great night. All right, man. Appreciate right, you, man. Hey, dub man. That was dope, man. I always love, man, having Buzz on the show. It's been a minute since we uh, chopped it up with him, but man, that was just straight bulls bars. Yeah, it was, man. I always like getting this insight, Fred. So it was great to see him, man. Great to hang out with him, man, on the show. So yeah, salute the buzz, man. Yes, sir. Well, audience, final segment time. If this city could talk. And my if this city could talk is going to be short and to the point. Any of our Chicago locals saw this week that Caleb Westbrooks, a 15-year-old kid, was shot and killed a few blocks north of his high school, walking home from school. So if this city could talk, we got to stop it with the violence. It's a 15-year-old kid, ton of potential, a big future ahead of him. His parents now have to bury him. There's too much hate in this world. I talked about earlier about Dr. King and his message and what he stood for. We have moved so far away 
from the very principles of a Dr. King in this world. There's so much hatred towards people. People are so just indifferent to life. That's a human life that somebody just snuffed out and they didn't think anything of it. If this city could talk, it would say, do better. Care about the person next to you. Stop it with the petty beefs. The senseless violence has to stop. Chris, that was awesome, man. That was awesome, man. It does got to stop, man. I appreciate you sharing all that. This city can talk. It will say, hey, man, you all know it's winter season. Make sure your kids are going to school warm, dressed proper way, because you know what? The health is important. You know, you don't want kids catching colds, getting sick, and you already got COVID and all this other stuff going on. So just make sure your, your kids are safe going to school. And also, warm those cars up. Keep them cars warm, because <laughs> it's cold as hell outside. You ain't lying about that. Warm them cars up because it's cold outside, but warm them cars up because you don't want to be turning the car on, driving off. Warm that baby up. Don't fucking do that to your car. I see so many people just get in, turn it on, and start driving. I'm like, warm that thing up. That engine needs to warm up a little bit. What are we doing out here? Exactly. Getting on the road with all that ice on your vehicle. Chill out. <laughs> yeah, stop it. But it's listen, audience. I hope you guys enjoyed this show. We love having Buzz on here. A-Dub, dope-ass episode. As always, audience, this podcast is brought to you by Crave It. Join us on our exclusive community at Chicago Versus. That Crave It app is on Apple and Android. We're the Chicago State of Mind. We appreciate you guys listening, and we are out. You asked all my teammates, the one thing about Michael Jordan was he never asked me to do something that he didn't fucking do. I'm only doing it because it is who I am. That's how I played the game. That was my mentality. If you don't want to play that way, don't play that way.